Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is incredible horsewoman Lori Duff. Lori is an internationally renowned horsewoman who has shared her incredible life experience through the horse by way of training, clinics, judging, consulting, and public speaking. Lori grew up in Newfoundland and was offered some very simple advice from her father early in life. That advice resonated deeply and has provided Lori great purpose and direction throughout her entire horsemanship career. To learn more about Lori and what she has to offer, visit libertylanefarm.net. That's L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-L-A-N-E-F-A-R-M dot net. You can find her on Instagram at Lori underscore Duff. That's L-O-R-I-E underscore D-U-F-F. And Facebook under Lori Duff. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with internationally renowned horsewoman, Lori Duff. I've just relocated um, to my my new place. And uh, in the spring of 2021, it's going to be interesting. I've got a lot of big plans for my place and uh, my horses. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to God that, you know, things happen the way that they do. Um, and there's blessings in everything, right? Yes. And the pandemic that has happened, um, and, and what some of it has seen. And I, I've been very fortunate. I know nobody in my immediate family or any of my friends or their immediate family that have been affected by COVID very Mm -hmm. directly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very, I'm very, very happy about that. But my year looks like it's going to end fantastic. It's been crazy busy for me for the last two or three years. This is usually the end of the season for me. I'm usually on tour doing clinics and teaching up until uh, the end of December, December, mid-December is I usually stop. And I roll back in home and I kind of get like, boom, that was a crazy year. (laughs) Yeah, take a deep breath, regroup for like six, eight, 12 weeks and then hit the road again. Um, Usually I always start off in Kentucky, Mm -hmm. Uh, Lexington, Kentucky at the road to the horse. That's usually where I start every year. I've been doing that for about six, seven years now and uh, missing that this year. But yeah, so this year is going to end beautifully, nice and peacefully and it's Gonna make me so rested to get ready to start for twenty twenty one. I've used it in the same in the same right. Uh I think it's interesting to see how this pandemic has affected everybody as a whole, but I think the kind of the agricultural Western community, we haven't been hit as hard, obviously, because most of us live in rural uh, communities. The social distancing isn't necessarily an issue because uh, we don't deal with human beings anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're out working horses and cattle and things of that sort, but uh, I've used it in the, in the same exact uh, vein, you know, because events aren't going on. Life just isn't as busy. Uh, it's t- It's provided me yeah. the opportunity to kind of reset and refocus the sites and kind of realign plans for 2021. I mean, we still got plenty of year left here and there's plenty to work on, but I've kind of turned inward, right? While this whole quarantine thing's taken place and 
focused on our new our new facility and and focused on my programs and trying to develop content and get ready to to make a run for when the world does open whenever that might be uh to get out and start yeah. start making a difference cool that's awesome i love that Good stuff. So, Lori, uh, I know it's been many months of scheduling conflicts, uh, which is not completely uncommon because everybody has such such busy schedules. But before we get rolling, I did I did want to thank you for being so persistent and and taking the time to to come on the show. I think there's going to be some incredible lessons learned throughout this episode. Uh, And in doing so, I want to start every show uh, giving listeners a little history as to who you are. And as the show progresses, obviously, we'll get into the lion's share of what the horse means to you and the impact it's had in your life. So I will leave it open-ended for you to start with your kind of history with horses and how it's progressed to the woman that you have become today. Oh, my start with horses. Um, I grew up at a dairy farm in Newfoundland um, on the east coast of Canada here, and uh, it was on a bluff, um, like an, on, on top of a mountain per se, um, and it was very scenic. It was it dropped off to the Atlantic Ocean. So that that was my childhood. Um, I have three awesome brothers and one beautiful sister and uh, mom and dad. I'm so thankful I have all of my family still with me. Wow. And um, when we were little, we had we had you know we had that luxury, right? That life we just talked about earlier. It's just, you're you're free to kind of do whatever you want to do. We were, I grew up on like you know hundreds of acres of land and. Yeah. Um, you had to get up, you had to work hard and so forth and stuff like that. So we always had workhorses uh, on the farm that would, you know, back in that day, uh, you know, plow the ground or uh, use a hay rake to pick up the hay and so forth and stuff like that. So uh, when I got old enough to drive a hay rake, that's what I would do. <laughs> um, but my dad would always take the workhorses if they were done for the day. And he'd take my sister and I, we were little tiny things, and he'd put us up on them bareback, you know, and just lead us around. So that was my first initial uh, experience with a horse. Uh, I was, you know, first experiences was like, you know, it's like a baby kind of thing. First, yeah, so I didn't yeah. really know, but uh, my parents uh, worked really hard at the firm and uh, they, they, they did great by all of us. Uh, uh, we, I, my, one of the biggest blessings I remember growing up is that, um, we used to get to go to Sunday church every Sunday, and it was the coolest thing ever because growing up on a farm, you know, uh, you're in your work clothes, your work boots and stuff like that. When you get to go to church, you get to put on your good church Heck clothes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and get cleaned up. So it was always like, you know, oh, it's, oh, it's time for church. So you'd go and you'd grab, you know, your best clothes and stuff like that. And you'd all be washed up, your hair done, and it was so much fun. You'd get to socialize with people at the church and uh for me, it was always a huge, huge blessing. Uh, you know, church was a big part of my Christian growing up, and um, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And uh, my family, my mom and dad, they're just the two sweetest people in the world, kind, give you the shirt off their back. And they say that about all Newfoundlanders, and, and I'm like that too. But my mom and dad, they're they're definitely uh, two special, special people, and they're very, very humble um, yeah, so that was that was the start of my growing up, and you know I got to ride horses all throughout uh, my childhood and into my teen life, and uh, I got married at a young age and had my own kids, and then when I got into my late twenties, um, 
in my early 30s, I got I got back into horses in, in a pretty serious way. Mm-hmm. I started learning how to ride through the Equine Canada um, standards, which is something that's here in Canada. We do a rider level program. So I did my Western rider levels up to becoming a coach and so forth, right? Um, so that was really cool. And uh, I had my, my first horse. I still have to this day, Maverick. He's oh, cool. uh, my Appaloosa. And he's 22, going on 23 years old, young, and he still literally is the base of everything I do. Um, he's he's a he's a very special horse, and uh, he he his show name when I competed with him was Silent Hero, and there's a lot behind that reason for his name um, because he was he was a silent hero for me. Um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how a lot of like, you know, the growing up part and, and horses and being on a farm, it just, it all, everything was so deeply connected. You didn't know it growing up. Um, and most people don't, but how things in life connect and bring you right back to the very thing that you, you're meant to be. So that was one of the biggest things for me about growing up. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I've lived a, a parallel journey. Uh, same thing. Did horses a lot when I was younger. Uh, went out and chased some other athletic endeavors and professional endeavors, and then here I am circling back to the horse. Uh, I did it for pure entertainment because it was something that I enjoyed mm-hmm. as a child. I thought it'd be something I would enjoy as an adult. And then once I really started to try to understand what the horse is, it opened my eyes and and opened opportunities to a world I never even knew existed. And uh, it's pretty incredible. My grandfather on my mother's side was kind of my, I guess, horsemanship influence, right? He was an old cowboy out of Missouri, and it's incredible. He even, uh, when I first started down this horsemanship journey, right, and paying attention to the horse and understanding the horse and communication, and he thought I was doing some kind of black magic voodoo stuff, and uh, he kind of poked fun at it, and it wasn't not too shortly after working with some of these horses. Uh, and I think I've told this story on the show before. We were at the house one day, and he asked me to step outside, and he's in his mid-80s, right? And uh, Grandpa's never asked me to step outside to talk, so I'm thinking, oh, great, here comes some bad news or something. And uh, he goes on for 20 minutes about how... He grew up an American cowboy, and he was taught some horrible things about how to handle horses, but it was the best that they knew. It was like almost as, as if he was apologizing to the horse through me, you know. And uh, he asked, hopefully, hopefully God will give me enough days on this earth that you can teach me, teach me how to be a horseman one day, because in thinking back, mm-hmm. I probably ruined more horses than I helped. And it's no yeah. fault to generations past, right? Because I truly think they did the best that they could do with what they knew. Um, but for him, it was a powerful moment for me because at 85 years old, right, he doesn't work horses anymore. Definitely not like he used to. Um, but for him Mm -hmm. to have a willingness to change and to see that something else works and potentially pursuing it, um, it was incredible blessing for me to understand that this horsemanship stuff is very, it is very special, right? And it does mean a lot and it does serve a greater purpose than just riding a good horse per se. Yeah. I had a really good question asked to me. Once about, uh, I think it was maybe two years ago, two, three years ago, it was with a friend of mine. Uh, it was a few of us sitting around, uh, some other horse trainers. Uh, one was Kateri Cowley mm-hmm. from yeah, uh, Alberta. And uh, Chris Cox, he's yeah. from the, uh, the U.S. and uh, Pat Burley. We're all sitting around and we're chatting and uh, talking shop and talking just general stuff. We were at Indiana Hooser Expo, actually, as clinicians. And we were sitting around and we are chatting, and Pat asked me the coolest question ever. 
he looked at me, he said, uh, where'd you learn your horsemanship? And I said, well, I said, it's simple. I said, my dad taught me to be a good person. I said, I just applied it to horses. And, and that, that was like, Chris kind of looked at me and he kind of like chuckled a little yeah. bit and uh, he said, great, great answer. <laughs> and, and, but it was, it was, it was so cool because it was exactly how I felt. And it was one of those things that just, you know, I, I admire my father so much for mm-hmm. everything that he's done. And he had, he had a big dairy operation and uh, raised five children and, uh, you know, had a loving wife and, and they've, they've, they've done so much in life and still do to this day in their seventies. Um, and yeah, looking back at stuff like that, it's, it just becomes real simple. And, and that's the beautiful thing about horsemanship, right? And, and what it means to each of us individually and our journeys of how we're living our lives and how we struggle and how we learn from our mistakes. It's such a cool thing to be able to look back and give gratitude to the people that have actually helped us get to where we are, right? Yeah. So I always give credit to my parents because they're they were just you know they simply were the best teachers of all, just to help yeah. me learn how to to be a good person, and then I just took that and I applied it to my horses. So. Yeah, it's uh, you bring up incredible points. Legacy is a big deal for me personally, and we convey a lot of it on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually how we wrap every show is a, is a question around freedom and legacy. And I'll tell you in my journey getting to experience the horsemanship that I've been able to experience, the the men and women that have put, been put in my path, uh, I personally feel the obligation to learn everything and anything that I could possibly learn and retain in order to carry it on. So hopefully I can take what they have learned, uh, do it justice, pay it its respects, develop it in some fashion, and hopefully be articulate and intelligent enough to be able to pass it on to the next generation, you know, and and play my small small role in the the greater picture of horsemanship because like you said the versatility is unbelievable as far as yeah. how it impacts individuals lives the different disciplines the different levels of development and growth and the layers to horsemanship i mean it's absolutely incredible to see i honestly believe there's nowhere horsemanship does not apply to life you can always find some kind of relative experience or lesson in it yeah, that, that's so true. I, I had somebody come up to me once. Uh, I was doing a performance and a demonstration at the Can-Am Expo in Toronto here. I think it's a few years back. And this lady came up to me after she had watched my little demo. And I was chatting and I was mic'd up and so forth. had my horse there. And she came up to me afterwards. Hi, just wanted to say thank you. That was really nice what you did with your horse. And she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, uh, she said you're not a horse trainer. And I said, excuse me <laughs> and she was like you're using horses to help people yeah and there we go. i was just kind of blown away by that statement and it stuck with me so much um it was the captain of the canadian cowgirls in uh, they're here in ontario mm-hmm. and i actually went on tour with them at, to the calgary stampede but uh the way terry had said that to me really made me like wow like she really saw me that's you know what i mean yeah. like yeah she, she could literally she stood up she listened to what i had to say and how i was trying to reach the audience on a on a very simple level by using the horse and and um how i express like even when i'm teaching people with their horse now like you know if i'm doing a clinic or a session i use everyday life uh, circumstances, uh, examples, or scenarios. I'm always trying to, um, and that's one of the things that I really love about teaching is that if I if I if I'm teaching you something and you don't understand it, 
I'll I'll just keep trying. I'll keep trying every yeah. way yeah. to make yeah. to make you understand what it is that that you're not understanding about you and about your horse. And and the 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 opposite of that is that it, that's what helps the horse. You know that that. When you slow down everything that you're doing and thinking and you really process and you stay in that moment, um, you see so much of yourself and what you're doing. And that's one of the biggest aha things that I have with people when I'm teaching them individually. I do uh, my sessions that when I teach, they're longer sessions and it gives people time to really start, you know, understanding, oh, okay, wow, this makes more sense. And then they start reflecting on their, themselves. Yeah. One of the things that I love about teaching is that um, usually when I do a clinic weekend, I have, you know, 10, 12 people in the clinic. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a great group of men and women. I usually get men and women in there. Um, and I love seeing people change over the course of just the first day. And by the second day, you like you've now... You know, I, I said it once recently in a little while back. I said, yeah, I, everywhere I'm going, I'm growing my family. Yeah, you know? isn't that the truth? We, we become family at the end of, the, at the, end of the, the two days or the weekend together. We become family. And that's, you know, one of those things. It's just that's, that's how this all is supposed to be. I feel personally that, you know, this is, this is where I'm meant to be in doing what I'm doing. And I fought it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I fought yeah. it just a little tiny bit. I was like, no, no, no. You know, I need to be uh, a trainer and teach and, and, and not just the mechanics or the, the technical aspects of it all, because that's you perfecting how you are. And, and in order to do that, you need to struggle. You need to make mistakes because then, you know, hey, this doesn't work for me. Aha, this does. And that was one of the biggest things um, that I, I had to start learning, you know, quite a few years back is that, whoa, whoa, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do it all. I need, I need to go. I need to have the growth. And I need to have the life and the life experiences to go with it. And that was um, a big thing for me. I kind of, I pushed that part aside. And when I started uh, applying the things that, the experiences I had in life to my horsemanship, it just, everything just meshed together so perfectly and it was beautiful. It's incredible to listen to your journey and and what has taken place. And I want to kind of peel back the layers and develop this a little bit. So for you, you described some of the early experiences and the influence of your father, right? And teaching you to just be a good person and you applying that to the horse and, and you travel your own journey with the horse. Was there a time when you, Maybe this isn't the right way to frame it, but was there a time when you had a crossroad in which you decided that, hey, this horse and horsemanship could serve a greater purpose than just me putting together good horses for me and my business and and my model and whatever you wanted to project at that point in your life? Was there a time when you realized that there's a lot more to this horsemanship stuff that could impact people on a greater level? Yeah, there. Yeah, there was. I don't know exactly what it was specifically that happened. It was well, I kind of do. Um, probably about maybe four or five years ago. Um, you know, being a single mom, raising two kids, uh, was was a struggle itself, right? So I, I did that. I worked full time, um, and I did lots of other things. You know how life goes. And you're raising kids, and all of a sudden, boom! You've gone from toddlers at two years old to you know teenagers. Um, it goes real fast and you forget to live a little. And I think that was one of the things that struck me the most is that like, uh, you, you put aside, you put aside the things that 
that you are passionate about, the things that drive you. And horses were the biggest thing for me. Um, So I tried to juggle it all and uh, tried to have success with it. And I struggled. I struggled quite a bit. Uh, One of the things that happened, you know, a while back was that my son and I, uh, we struggled. Our relationship, we struggled. And it was, you know, due to all different types of circumstances. And um, I think instead of actually looking at it and dealing with it, I got real busy. I got real busy and I started using how I wanted to deal with it through the horses and through my clinics and through teaching people and uh, that's what was healing me. That, that's what was healing me, was helping other people and um, it, it, it took a whole 360 and then myself and my son, we reconnected and on a deeper level than ever before and it's just, it's such a... Now, now I have that moment to look back on and say, okay, wow, that was, that was incredible. That lesson that you learn in life that, that changes your course of where you want to be. So looking back now, that's, that's what I, I see. I see myself changing and how I applied everything that I wanted to fix for myself with everybody else with their horses. And it was, you know, I'd finished the clinic or finished working with just one specific person. And if they were struggling with their horse and, uh, you know, in, in the session and I'm like, just hang in there. It's about to get great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, you, tomorrow is going to be amazing. I see how much you're struggling, but I promise you this is, and I, what I, when I'm talking to a person, when they're standing with their horse, when I say this to them is, this is the ugly. So this, this, all of this is necessary for it to happen. All of this needs to happen right now so that when it's perfect and it's right and it feels great, you'll know it. And that's what you're going to keep looking for, that feeling when it feels great with the horse. And every time I would finish doing a clinic or a training session with somebody, I would go, wow, I'd sit there and I'd reflect on every person individually and their horse and I would look at myself. And I would look at my life and look at my horses and my personal struggles. And I would be like, whoa, Lord, you need to start listening to yourself. (laughs) You need to start doing, you need to start doing what you're preaching. And it started, it's, that's what happened. And when that clicked for me, then I realized, all right, this is where I, this is where I need to take all of what I'm doing that. And that's how I'm going to help myself and help others. So yeah, it was really cool. It happened over a course of time, but it was something I didn't even see it kind of coming, that kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. it's tough because, I mean, a lot of the intentions of this show was developing awareness uh, for, for an individual to develop their own awareness, right, from within. And yeah. and I've struggled with that journey. I think every single guest on this show has struggled with that journey. And, yeah. you know, not being able to see the forest through the trees, per se, and it's incredible for you to walk this journey and describe this journey. But the biggest point that you hit on, uh, in my opinion, right, is that you, at some point, this wherewithal was sparked within you, right? That, oh, man, maybe I need to listen to myself just a little bit. And then it becomes, well, maybe I should just listen a little bit more. Maybe I should listen to that too, right? So often, I think when we go through challenges or we go through struggles or uncomfortable situations in life, we try to push that voice aside, or we just don't give it the respect or the attention that it deserves. And it keeps showing up and keeps showing up and we keep trying to suppress it and suppress it. And I think for you, when you talk about getting busy, you just got busy with the horses in the clinics and that's how it started your progression. I think a lot of people 
go the opposite route. And for me, I've done it uh, where I get busy mm-hmm. and I create so much work for myself that I don't address what I need to address or I ignore what's bothering me, yeah. right? It's a way to yeah. to distract myself. So yeah. it's it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to look yourself in the mirror. But I think what's yep. incredible in your journey and what, you, what you've described to this point is that it was there, you acknowledged it, you were understanding that it's going to take time and you have to go through the quote unquote ugly, right? To get to the beautiful. Yeah. Um, ugly, but it's yeah. all, it's all a process. And we, we, I think we as human beings need to be more forgiving of ourselves in that process yeah. to find that growth and find that development. Yeah. It's hard sometimes because one of the things that happens as we go through life and I've experienced this, experienced it myself is that you sometimes you don't know how to accept the failure and the loss and 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 you get scared about it right um i tell people all the time when i'm teaching like my clients and stuff like that or or and this is one of the most beautiful things about my horsemanship and i'm i'm very proud of it is that everything that i teach you when you're working with your horse you can take it and apply it to every aspect of your life you, it, when you leave the arena with your horse and you go home and you trailer out or whatever, you should be a better driver. You should be a better yeah. husband and wife. You should be a better partner, coworker. You should, you should want to just live a better life. Um, and I think that how I go over the, the, you know, all of the things with you, with your relationship, your partnership with your horse in the ring throughout that, you know, clinic weekend setting or whatever, um, it, that, that, that's when you start to start looking at yourself, the client, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. helping too because like I'll hit moments where like, you know, I'll have someone stand in front of me and they've had an aha moment or they're talking about something and I use a lot of analogies at life. So sometimes I'll hit a nerve with some people and I'll end up, you know, with someone uh, emotional, crying and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're okay. It's great. I'm okay. You're okay. <laughs> it's just normal. Most times, most times they won't get me crying too, but sometimes <laughs> I've had a few people that I've cried with and stuff like that. And we just had these great moments. I, I had one beautiful experience uh, with a lady that called me probably about seven, eight weeks after I'd worked with her. And it was the first time I had worked with this group. It was a Canadian clinic that I had done. And uh, she called me and, uh, I, I, I guess that she had she had a lot going on, and I, I could feel I could feel that she had a lot going on uh, when she was with me that weekend. And she called. It was it was several weeks later, and I was just surprised to hear her. And she said to me, "Being with you and doing the clinic with you gave me the strength and the courage to leave my abusive husband and to take my two beautiful daughters and start my life all over again after 26 years." And it hit me so hard. I just cried for like two days. I was like, oh, like it was, it was very, it was a very powerful moment for me because I, I really understood her. I, I, I really felt for her. And it was just like, man, like it's such a feeling to, like, you know, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. It's such a feeling to impact and shift someone's life in for the great, right? For the great. Yes. And yes. it's, it is. It's, it's a, it's a very humbling experience because, and that's the thing that keeps me kind of real grounded about everything that I'm doing is that it never changes, right? That, yes. that part never changes, that feeling that, uh, what, what it feels like to help somebody and, and to have, to let somebody help you, right? 
I tell people all the time, like when I'm, when they're leaving and they're walking away from me and they're like, Oh, thank you so much. It was a wonderful clinic. I'm like, Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, exactly. I love working exactly. with you. You're helping me. And, and that was the thing. People at the time, like in general, they didn't get the statement, right? They would never understand. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I helped her. Right. But they would never understand the depths of what they were doing and how they were helping me um, to, to heal. Yeah. Right. Every person, every horse, every hour and seeing people change, like literally change their lives, change the way they thought about horses. It was just it's such a beautiful feeling. It's I, it, it brings me to tears sometimes when I think about how amazing it is to be able to do that for somebody. And that's that's uh, my gift, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I was really fortunate uh, probably six years ago. I was introduced inadvertently by uh, Stacey Westfall to mm-hmm. someone who I consider now one of my greatest, greatest, greatest friends, uh, Barbara Schulte. She's from Brenham, Texas. And I had her out here in Canada. I brought her out to do a symposium. Um, and it was just a life-changing experience for me and four Canadian coaches and 12 participants. And uh, it was something I created from my heart. And the event was a weekend event, and it was just a beautiful event. And uh, when I was bringing Barb back to the airport to say goodbye, she just kind of said that to me. She said, you have a gift, you know, with people. And uh, she said, that's a really important thing. And she's just she's been such a great mentor for me about how I've developed myself as a person, not a horse trainer, mm-hmm. not as a mom, not as a friend or anything like that. Just She's just helped me in general, you know, develop myself and to find my confidence and to be a better person and, and to accept the fact, you know, that not, you're not going to get everything great right away. The, the whole point of doing everything in your life is to enjoy it as you go, right? The struggles Correct. and all. That's the thing, right? A lot of people want to have it all happen right away and, and they go way fast at it. You know, bang, bang, bang. They're trying to like, I got to do this and I got to do this. And this, and it's like, I, I, now I look back, I could see I was like that too. I was like that too. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, and I was all over the place. And then I just went, I took a step back and I, I had a real good look around at what it was I really wanted uh, for me, for my life. And all of a sudden, everything just went click. It just, that was it, you know? And everything just, it just followed its own path. And it was, I'm just, I'm kind of going with it, you know? It's, it's a beautiful feeling to end up somewhere and have so much peace in your life. And for me, uh, one of the things my dad said to me is, he, he said, you know, we had a conversation three years ago. He said, you're already where it took me my whole life to get. He said, like, it happened for you a lot earlier in life. And I suggest because I had a lot of difficult experiences to get me thinking along this path and looking for the peace, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's inevitable in any journey, right? Is that uh, I personally, uh, as a young athlete and and as a young adult growing up, I was motivated by the fear of failing. I was so scared to fail that I put in all that extra effort to ensure failure never took place. The horses afforded me the opportunity to understand that failure is going to happen and how you respond to the failure (laughs) plays a far greater role than any preparation you do out of paranoia. You know, I was that kid growing up and and even I would say into my late 20s, uh, early 30s, 
uh, you want to talk about yeah. laser focus. If I set my mind to it, it was get, it was getting done. It was in it, like, it was going to get done. It was certain <laughs> as the sunrise. And my mom used to tell me growing up and I never listened a day in my life until I hit probably my early thirties. She would always tell me, you can have everything. You just cannot have it now. And, <laughs> and that was me is that oh, I wanted, awesome. I wanted to be the biggest, the best, the strongest, the fastest, the most intelligent of whoever was in my circle or whoever I was competing against. And yeah. it's not until this phase of life for me that I realized you need to take a breath and you need to look up and you need to start to open your field of vision and see what the greater, greater picture is in this. And you talk about your ability to impact lives and relate to people by way of the horse. That's what the greatest pride I take in this show is, is that we are starting to develop a, an incredible literally international community of horsemen and women, mm -hmm. whether it be listeners or guests, because although our listeners are, or excuse me, our guests are featured on the show, they're extremely humble. They're extremely willing to help. They're extremely accessible. And I couldn't tell you yeah. how many times I've put listeners in contact with guests or vice versa. And you start to develop this network yeah. and the spider web in this reach and this culture and this momentum of people who genuinely care for the next person and genuinely care for the horse. And it's incredible to truly see how lives change. And I tell people when I get these compliments on the show, I get messages all the time about how this guest changed my life or this experience changed the trajectory of how I work with horses, or I've been fighting for this for decades and never been able to accomplish this, but I heard this certain message on your show. That's not my doing. I can't take any credit for that. I might be the vehicle in which the message was sent and or received, but it's God's purpose through the horse, God's purpose through horsemanship that that is starting to to push out into humanity. And all of that that you're talking about, Jason, all of that is that very thing when your mom, when you were younger, yeah. and she said that, you know, that thing to you, that is passion. Yeah. That's and 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 passion is is a it's it's a beautiful thing. If you're passionate about something, that's that's what gets you. Like, well, I'm going to do this, and then yeah. it's going like it's going to happen. That passion is what is what helps you be able to be so humble that you just want to be able to help somebody else because you're so passionate about it. You know what it feels like yeah. to work so hard to get to just point A, point B, point C, and then you see somebody somebody else and, and they're struggling or whatever, and you're like, you just want to help. Yeah. And that that is a beautiful thing. Passion is, I, I love anybody that's passionate about stuff, and they're they're all excited that, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and you <laughs> see them with their horses, and like, I, I'm going to learn this, and, and I'm like, awesome. Yeah. I love it. Keep that energy up because... Yeah. And this is one of the things that I love to teach people as well. Um, stay positive, right? And I talk about positivity. And, and, and if you go into a mindset, into any circumstance, you're going to ride a horse, you're going to compete. Um, you're going to take your horse, you're going to ride on a trail ride, you're going to do some ranch riding. Whatever the case may be, whatever it is you're working on, if you start with a positive attitude and you see it finished, this is really important. When you see it finished, the end result, when you've literally gotten off your horse and you're on, uh, taking the tack off and you're putting your tack away in your tack room, whatever the case may be, and you have finished, if you can see that end and it looks great and you start thinking about it positively, that's where it's going to end up. That's how your ride's going to end, right? 
And I tell people all the time, if you start off thinking, well, I'm worried. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm, a, I'm afraid my horse is going to bronk me off. If you start thinking that way, you're, you're putting energy, you're putting negative energy into the outcome. And if you start that way, then, you know, you're probably going to get, it's, it becomes heavy. I do it yes. really well when I'm in yeah. an arena and I'm standing up alongside somebody and I talk about the positive and the negative uh, mentality that you have with your horse. And what I do is I talk to people and I'm standing right in front of them. Look at them like, if you start off positive, it becomes lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And I kind of get like animated. So I mm-hmm. go higher. Mm-hmm. And then I say, but if you start off negative, it becomes heavy, heavy, heavy. And I end up with my knees kind of laying in the sand yeah. <laughs> in the arena. It's so true. And I tell people all the time, that, that, that heaviness and that negativity, that's what, that's what holds you back from being able to, to get further ahead. And that passion that you have when you were younger and the passion that I had and I still have, now I know how to dial it up and dial it down. Yeah. <laughs> now. Now I have a really good gauge on when I want to drive that passion way up and, and just let it kind of sit for a little bit and let it just kind of taper off and stuff like that. And I apply that in everything that I'm doing. It doesn't matter if I'm, uh, you know, working with a horse or if I'm uh, running a fence line, whatever the case may be, you know, uh, bad weather's coming. We have to finish this today. I get passionate fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? It's true. It's so, And yeah. for me, it's been... So, so much of a, being an athlete growing up was visualization training, right? Seeing something take place, you know, before the actual physical act. And, uh, you know, yeah. we did it, I was a pitcher, right? So you envision strikes being thrown or, or envision you facing certain types of hitters and things of that sort. But uh, one thing that's always stuck with me is when I learned of, of Mahatma Gandhi's quote, right? Be the, be the change that you want to see in the world. And mm-hmm. I try to apply that to all aspects of life. You talk about the positivity and the negativity side of things. And, you know, there were days I, I had dark days. I had those heavy days. I was in those funks or the cloud or the fog or however you want to describe it. Right. And sometimes it's yeah. hard to get out of those trenches, but there comes a time when enough is enough and you just do not want to deal with it anymore. And that was that quote of being the change was one thing that kind of tried to motivate me and, and did motivate me mm-hmm. to make that change. You know, I wanted to be a positive person. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to write a bigger story okay. greater than what I have or had ever thought about writing. And yeah. sometimes you just got to air it out and take a chance on it, whether it be, you know, you want to accomplish that flying lead change or whatever. You want to accomplish that great stop on a horse uh, or you just want to be a little bit better person, you know, be the change, do it, yeah. just flat do it. Sometimes there's not an equation. There's not a recipe. There's not a rule book. Just do it. And uh, oftentimes, oftentimes I think we, we hide behind, well, I, I know I've done it. You know, well, what if, how is it going to be received? Can I do it? Can I not do it? How long is it going to take? When should yeah. the change take place? You know, and, and just forget about sometimes you just got to throw all that out the window and just go do it it will take place yeah you you say that and then that kind of reminds me of something is is really important too and uh just in the last couple of years i became a judge uh provincial judge here for in canada uh, and i work real hard to get uh to that stage of um you know where i wanted to see my career go mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. But one of my first experiences, I was like, whoa, this is very difficult, so difficult to judge uh, because I had to really separate my horsemanship from, you know, uh, rules and regulations and so forth. And when I'm teaching people uh, about horsemanship and and groundwork and foundation work with a horse, I want to make sure that, you know, they 
they see the separation in me for, for both because I had to put on, you know, a judge hat and judge by based on rules and regulations. Uh, but I don't ever um, compromise my horsemanship, right, in doing that. Correct. Uh, but it's really cool. It's 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 a, a cool experience to, to get to that point in your life. And uh, one of the things I always tell people, you know, we – we are so hard on ourselves. Forgive yourself first. You know, uh, my grandma used to say that to me all the time, right? You know, my she, my dad's my mom. She would always say, forgive yourself first, right? You got to love yourself yeah, first. That's a hard and, lesson. Uh, it is. And it, it is. But, you know, one of the things when we're working with horses, this is very true because I've done different facets of it all. I've competed and I've been by myself in an arena and you're judging yourself because you're like, oh, I'm not doing it good enough. I want this to be better for tomorrow for my session. And then you feel like, you know, you're being judged by your coach or your trainer. Then you're being judged by your parents or by your siblings or your peers. You're being judged when you're in an arena. You're being judged when you're out of the ring. You know, people are critiquing your run and replaying it back or all of these things. And it's always constant judgment, right? And, and that's, you have to be accountable for that because we all do it. We all we all see something and we want to try and we want to mm-hmm. achieve it better. Mm-hmm. We want to see it done better. But we have to learn to forgive ourselves first, though, and say, it's okay. Um, you know, I what can I do better? What? How can I make what I'm doing? And this isn't just about horses or a horse training. This is about life. How can I be, you know, a better driver? And I, how can I be a better parent? How can I be a better friend? You know, and, and you, you, as you go through life, you know, I had this one lady, she interviewed me, uh, Sarah Freeman, she's from live TV from here from Ontario. And she had interviewed me quite a few times. She did a, the event for me for Barbara Schulte when she was here, but, um, she, when we we're on camera, we, so we were filming like the morning show and then we would go off camera. So we would go off and it would be dead air. So she'd be able to ask me some questions, you know, in between mm-hmm. being live. And she looked at me and she said, can anybody do this? And at the time, we had just done a Liberty demo with my horse, Titan. And I had laid him down and, you know, he I got on him and rode away and so forth. And she just was like, oh, wow, it's so cool kind of thing, right? And she said, can anybody do this? And I kind of looked at her and I said, <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how to answer her, but I answered her from question. my heart. I said, I said, please, no. I said, like, you have to go through stuff in life. You have to have an understanding of yourself. In order to understand a horse, and you have to take the time. You and and that's one of the biggest things. Like when I said it, I was like, I couldn't believe that I said it because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. I was like, as a professional, I wanted to say, yeah, yeah, sure, anybody could do this. But I really think that truly, you, the more that you put yourself through, and the more you realize. And this is what I see when I see people struggling with their horse and we're doing groundwork exercises and they're trying to get that horse away from them or the horse is bumping up. And I get a lot of behavioral problems with people with their horses because of space. Um, but so you, I see the person struggling and I'm like, do you like that? Do, do you like what your horse is doing with you there? And they're like, no, it feels awful. And I'm like, okay, so if you know what you don't like, let's change that and let's yeah, look for all the things it. that you love, right? Yeah. And so that, but that's the same thing with life though, right? Like if you don't like the situation that you're in, change it. If you no. don't know how to change it, get, get the advice or get the help from someone that can help you and, and try, just, just keep trying. Like, and I tell people all the time, I, I did a, an endurance race in Mongolia and the, the days before I actually went, I was interviewed by, uh, 
the local news here because I had volunteered that the race I was doing, I was fundraising for the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario here in Ottawa. And um, I, I, we were outside the station. This is, this is kind of a real personal thing. We were outside the news station, and uh, my daughter had been diagnosed with a skin disease probably, I think it was about a year before that happened. And so she was receiving a low dose of chemo and steroid for her disease. Mm-hmm. And um, it's non-cancerous, by the way, Just, mm-hmm. but, she, you know, still very serious thing. She was only 17 when she got it. Anyway, so but the way chemo works is that you can't really mess around too much with different medications. And she had gotten sick. She had a cold and it had lasted a really long time because your immune system is really down uh, yes. when you're doing that stuff. So she had gotten she had gotten a cold and she had gotten sick. So we were playing around with different antibiotics to help her get well and so forth. She was with me. She was supposed to be in front of the camera on TV with me. Uh, we were standing outside the station at like 7 a.m. in the morning, waiting for them to open up the doors for us to go inside. And she literally got sick. She got sick in the street, and I was I was just to tears. I was like, I went inside, and the, the, the reporters, like you know, and the prep, the editors, and everybody there at the station, they were like, "Oh, can you go on now?" And I'm like, "No." Like I was sobbing, yeah. crying. I was yeah. like, "I'd like my daughter's sick. Like I don't want to go on and talk about anything right now." And I was, you know, I was pretty upset. So I I cleaned my face up and I went on. And she sat in the booth, and they gave her water and stuff like that, and cold cloths. And so I'm sitting down in the interview, and I'm the the interviewer, the reporter asked me this question can't remember specifically what it was. She asked me why I was doing it. And, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly what it was. I'd have to go back and look at it. But my answer was, it, life is hard. Life is really hard. I want to be able to show not only my daughter and all the kids that are sick at the Chio Hospital that it will get better over time. And I said, that's one of the beautiful things about about life is that we have to sometimes struggle. We have to sometimes go through really difficult things. But I had gone through so much stuff in my life up to that point. For me, it was one of those things where it will end, right? And that's what an endurance race is. Endurance is testing your everything until you get to the end of it. And I wanted her to know, I wanted my daughter to know, this is going to get better, baby. It's going to get better. I promise you it's going to get better, but we got to go through it to get to the better, right? Yes. Um, and so that was just one of those inspiring things. And Sarah Freemark actually called me after I'd done the interview, and she's like, wow, I'm crying. I was like, <laughs> I, it wasn't my intention. It was my <laughs> intention to kind of, yeah, it was my intention to get people uh, kind of getting in and, and doing their donations and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, just to top off on that note, that endurance race was, it was quite a challenge and uh, it definitely changed my life in a lot of ways, but it was another thing about, like I said before, you know, it's uh, I was going at everything so hard and doing so much in my life. And uh, when I got there after all the prep to actually get there, to do that race and to, to dedicate the race to Chio and all these things that had happened up to that point when I got there, the riding part, the actual five-day race, was that was the quiet time, right, for me? Yeah, yeah. I was every day. I was by myself on a horse for like eight, ten hours, and like Gosh. that was like that was like the reward, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To work with the horse then, and and you got you you've got nobody. You've got yourself, and you've got your horse. And my theory, my horsemanship. Uh, development, how I've developed my my horsemanship, and how I really believe in what I'm what I'm teaching 
to people. I wanted to take it and go to Mongolia, and I wanted to uh, see if my theory was correct, right, about yeah. horses. And that if I could start with a horse at the beginning of a day and have more horse at the end of the day, after 80 kilometers, and all five days, all five horses, I had that. I had that every time. And it was such a feeling for me to say, okay, so my horsemanship really works. Yeah, what an incredible affirmation. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really big thing for me, and uh, just to survive the race <laughs> was a big thing. I'm not an endurance racer, so <laughs> I went so unprepared. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. I was like, I was really unprepared, but I was like, well, what's the big deal? Like, ride me 10 hours a day on a horse. I do that all the time, just, you know, in a ring or training or whatever. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that well, as you're describing it, I'm like, 10 hours a day isn't that bad. Well, five days in a row, eh, that's kind of challenging. And then I'm thinking, five yeah, days in a row racing yeah. Oh, yeah. for 10 hours a day? <laughs> yeah, that's where we start to separate ourselves. It is. It is. I have a big, big for the people for that did the endurance race and and every endurance rider that's out there uh, doing it on a professional level. I have a huge understanding and a huge respect for those riders. My goodness, it's um, it's it is. It's very challenging. It's challenging in your mind, right? Yeah, so I was like gonna say mentally, it's probably day. we've all been sore and tired and beat up physically, but to stay out of oh, your way yeah. mentally is With where the, the where the challenge lies. Yeah, the fourth, I think the third or the fourth day, the the first 20K of the morning, I cried my way through it. I cried my way through the first 20K, and then there was a, like a, there's a break, a water break, and you get to, you know, water yourself, water your horse, mm-hmm. and at the first 20K, so I cried for that first 20K, that third or fourth day, and then uh, the the doctor that was there, not the vet, the doctor that was there <laughs> that had been seeing me, and she knew I was really in rough shape. She's like, you're done. It's okay. Here's some uh, anti-inflammatories or whatever. She said, you just give someone your horse and you're done. And I was like, nope, someone yeah, help me get back not. up. Yeah. And I, I cried for the first like four or five minutes that time. And then the next 20K and the next 20 and the next 20 was okay. But it was, uh, I I could talk for hours about that Mongolian experience and the Mongolian horse. It it literally, it lights me up. I'm just sitting here right now and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I love that experience. It, like it was just one of those things. I I I say to this day that I can't even believe that I had the opportunity to go, and I wouldn't have been able to go if it wasn't for my family and my friends and everybody that believed in me here, not only in Canada and the U.S. too, uh, that supported me, donated and helped. Like uh, a huge thank you to them for forever for giving me the opportunity to go and do that, and to show my daughter and to show everybody if you can get through it, it's going to be better at the end, right? Um, in, in lots of things in life, not everything, you know, some things in life, you know, are, are very difficult, but you, you stick it out and you, you have, if you have good support around you, there's nothing, there's nothing you can't do in Correct. life, nothing. Correct. And, and I wonder yeah. when you describe, right, that 20 kilometers crying and, and the <laughs> whole experience of Mongolia and the race and the longevity and the fortitude and everything that you had to do to accomplish it. I sit here wondering while you're describing it, like what influence does all the preparation, all the drive, all the motivation, all the purpose behind why you're doing the race? How did that develop and gain momentum to help push you? Because when you think about it from a fundamental level, it's you and the horse and a race, right? That's all that really goes Mm -hmm. behind it at face value. But to think... All the time and effort, the physical and mental preparation, the all the press and the media leading up to it, what it represents, who you are representing, who you are trying to be, right? There is a lot behind you supporting you in this race. 
And it's right. way more than just you in a saddle jamming down the road. Yeah. The first day, the first race, I, I was severely dehydrated because I've not been dirt race. I did not know how to stay hydrated. No. So uh, the doctor had to literally like rehydrate me. I was like sick. Like my, I felt like my stomach was turned inside out. I called my daughter when I kind of got back and up and on my feet and I was like, I did it. I made it all the way to Mongolia. I raced the first day. I, I'm done. I'm coming back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she just said to me, no, you're not. Nope. You're, you're there. <laughs> You've done it. You're there. You can do it, mom. Yeah. And that was it. She, all I needed was just her to say that to me. And I was like, I cannot, I can't let her down. And it's as simple as that. I just couldn't let her down. Yeah. I just couldn't. She's such, she, I can't, I, I go on for days talking about my daughter. She's such yeah. an amazing person. She impresses me every day. I'm like always so impressed by her. The power of community. Yeah, she's such a great human being. Yeah. The power of community. It's incredible. Both my kids are, both my kids are, both my kids are awesome. I love both my kids. They're, I, I don't talk about them near enough, you know, when I'm doing <laughs> stuff like this, I end up yeah. talking so deeply about yeah. it, but everything that I've done up to this point has been without a doubt, without them wouldn't have never happened. It really wouldn't have. It's, it's so, it's so true. Like, I mean, um, you know, the struggles I have with my son led me to get out there and to help other people and focus all of my energy that like where I couldn't help him and I help other people. And it's, it's that, so that inadvertently was the thing that helped everybody. Right. Yes. Um, you know, so it wasn't without either one of them. And it's just, it's an amazing feeling to, to be where I am now in my mindset about, um, you know, a lot of people are um, very driven about their training and, and how uh, they develop, how their, their career goes and so mm -hmm. forth and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I'm all about that uh, too as well. I'm hoping someday actually, uh, in the near future, not not a very close future, but in the near future, I would really love to get back competing in raining um, yeah. and to be able to get competitively back into raining, which is, is one thing I'm very passionate about. I love raining. And, um, but um, for now, I'm not doing anything along those lines. I'm just developing other parts of my career. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that your family is a really big factor of everything. And if you take the time and you turn around and you look and you see who's standing there at the end of the day, supporting you and loving you, uh, that's the things that we need to be the most grateful for. I talk to my mom, my sister, and at least one of my brothers and my dad, if not every day, at least once a week. Um, I talk to both my kids every day. And uh, one of my best friends, Francine, I talk to her probably on a regular basis, yeah. two, three times a week yeah. for sure. But yeah, it's your, your family and your friends and, and it's, and it's, and then it's just your life. Right. And then it's like, okay, all of this is great. I've struggled. I've gotten here. Now I've got all this done. Now what's next? Right. Exactly. And so exactly. one of the things that we were going to talk about very gently was about the book that I'm writing. It's called how I got there. Um, and it's, it's still in very draft phases and, um, it's, it changed as I changed over the course of the years. So somebody asked me, Oh, when's your book going to be ready? And I said, well, I'm not done getting there. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't finish the book, right? <laughs> I got experience so, the yeah, final chapter before I write about it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm still researching. I'm still finishing up stuff. And then somebody said to me at some point, you have to kind of say too, like, okay, I'm done with that and then work with that. And then if there's something else, then you work, you know, and you pick you, that up then, something yeah. else and publish a, sec a second, right? 
so I'm working on that, working on my video segment series and, um, just, I'm, I'm loving being home. I'm loving life right now that, and I'm loving my family and that's a big, big part of it. So it's yeah. uh it's very inspiring to hear you, you know, kind of settled in and in your element because your journey has been so adventurous and challenging, fast paced. There's many, many facets of it. You know, you talk about being a single mother and, you know, being a female entrepreneur and all the challenges of that and, and the Western industry and clinics and teaching and competing. I mean, you had a full boat for a lot of years. So for you to find some calmer waters per se for a little bit is, is very inspiring. And it, and it pushes me, <laughs> right? Who's somebody who's in the trenches, right? And still trying to get a lot of this stuff developed. It's inspiring to to me to push on to find that feeling. And it's not to say that I'm uncomfortable where I'm at. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. You know, I, I enjoy being uncomfortable mm-hmm. because that's where growth takes place. Um, but in the same yeah. vein, sometimes it's nice to just come up. For I'll, a I'll do though that. I know for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what, when, you, when you're uncomfortable a little bit and, and when you're challenging yourself or you're under pressure for me, uh, I deal really well with pressure. Yes. Um, I you enjoy know, it. I truly do. Of, it's sick, but I do. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, good stuff. Well, we've talked a lot about your business and we've made reference to what you have to offer, but I would like to expand on that a little bit more as far as listeners being able to follow more of what you do, engage more with you, maybe participate in some of these clinics or public appearances. How can listeners find and or reach out to you to get a better understanding of what you have to offer? My first suggestion is always to pick up the phone and call me. Uh, and I say that really lightly, but it's really true. People actually are like, wow, are you serious? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, my phone number is posted on my Facebook page. It's on my website. I'm from Newfoundland, and I'm one of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> if you want to talk and you got a question, even if it's not a horse-related question, I have one of the best recipes for apple pie ever. <laughs> so pick up the phone and call me, my number. Just pick up the phone and call me. And I love I love talking to people. I love meeting people and stuff like that. Um, they can reach me. You can read up on me on the Internet, of course. That's uh, one of the most fabulous things in the world today is that um, – but one of the things that I truly love and I will continue to do about my clinics is that meeting someone and being very in that moment with them, with their horse and what they're going through in their lives and, and helping them in that moment, that's something that will stay forever for me because it stays with me too, right? When I'm helping somebody. Yes. Uh, so I love doing the clinics and stuff like that. Uh, anybody's interested in doing a clinic, they can always contact me um, through my website or through email, um, through Facebook, Instagram, all those fun things on the internet. Um, and like I said, I, I love for people to pick up the phone and call me. I, I've had some great success with people just calling and asking some general questions. You know, I had one lady a couple weeks ago. She has a horse that's in training with somebody else, and uh, she said, well, I'd like to maybe learn what you do, and I'd like for you to take the horse for training and stuff. And I said, well, we'll talk next week. We'll set a time, and we'll have a phone call and talk about it. She said, how much for a phone call? I said, it's free. Yeah, I don't know, whatever your <laughs> and, service uh, provider charges you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, no, I said, just call me. I said, if I can help, I'll help. I mm-hmm. said, you know, if you want to further that and you want to do some training, uh, great. You know, I started off like that, you know, helping people with their horses in their backyards and um you know, just going to people's houses and, okay, sitting down and having a good meal and having a chat. No, you got this problem. It might not have even just been horses, something else. And 
it's just my way. It's 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 how I I want to. I want people to understand who I am um, by just helping as much as I can, and just just simply just doing that. So yeah, they can reach out to me in any way that they want, and you know, in general, life is is uh, it's a pretty difficult um, thing sometimes. And uh, we can all struggle and we can all help each other out a lot. Uh, I've I've lost some people in my life and uh, it has changed how I feel about the people that are in my life today, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think that's a big, that's a big thing. It's a, it's a great segue into our final question, you know, and I like to wrap every show in this question around, you know, freedom and legacy. So for you, whether it be personal or professional experience in your life, what is something that you have learned that has helped provide you maybe more freedom in your life, a life lesson that you would be willing to pass on to the next person, um, maybe to make their, their journey down the same road a little easier. Taking the time because timing is everything. And, um, it's one of my biggest models when I'm teaching people with their horses or I'm talking to a friend or a family member, slow down and just take some time um, you might miss the most important thing that could have ever happened to you in your life uh, because you were in such a rush and you drove past it or you walked past it or you weren't even looking that direction. So slow down and enjoy things. Uh, you know, my dad always said to me, there's nothing uh, more important in life than your health and your happiness. Uh, he, he, he's a big believer in that. If you're not happy, how can you have health in your life right you know yes, so it's, yes. it's really important so that to me is one of the things if i was to, to tell anybody anything right now um yeah i'd say slow down i love it because Take so much time. of yeah so much of life right now is instant gratification right and those of us that yeah. are type a we tend to mash the gas and just go 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 and uh, we talked yeah. a little bit about it before we started recording right as far as being present and and being with yes. your horse i think sometimes we're not with ourselves right? Because we're so focused on whatever yeah. the next goal is or the next task or, I mean, life gets busy and there are distractions and there's a many, many ways that we get pulled, but it's hard and, yeah. and I need to do it more. Is just sometimes you just need to take a breath and look up. You really do. Yeah. Well, I was looking forward to this interview so much today. I took my truck and I parked it in one of my fall fields and I have my Mustang. She's coming up a little bit closer here now and I have my Liberty Horse Titan and they're just outside the truck here. And they're grazing, and that's what I've been watching the whole time you and I have been talking. I've been watching them make their way to me in the field, and it's such a cool feeling. So that that's if I was to leave anybody with anything, it's just if you really truly want to have a better life and you want to have a better connection with your horse or with your family member, with yourself, slow down and take the time and see it. It's right in front of you. It's all right there. Whatever it is that you want, it's all right there. And I, you know what? I'm so glad I started listening to myself. <laughs> you got some good advice. I'm really glad I started listening to myself. Yeah. Uh, well, Lori, I cannot thank you enough for setting time aside in your busy schedule uh, for everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. And and as mentioned before, you know, if there's anything that we can do to support you and your cause and your endeavor, please do not hesitate to reach out. We're only a phone call away. Absolutely, Jason, and thank you so much, and God bless you on this beautiful Sunday. I'm so happy that we got the chance to chat, and you know what? I know for sure you and I are going to connect absolutely. on many other things, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, again, thank you very, very much, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. 
Oh, they're coming right up to my window. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast and being part of our freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Let Freedom Reign podcast. And Reign is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation at a cost less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event, or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Reign, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Reign underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.